Thank you for downloading Tube Flash Tales, original flash fiction inspired by London Underground and vintage and contemporary brooches. If you want to find out more, visit the Tube Flash website, but not before you've listened to this set of Tube Flash Tales. Mind the gap. Queensway. Stuck by Sherry Fuller Cheryl was stuck in a lift, alone. The date hadn't gone well. After three years of solitude, she'd signed up to a site where love was only a click away and began her dating adventure, starting with Tim and the Black Lion pub. The date was dull. Tim was dull. Possibly, after so much time alone, she was dull. Cheryl slid shakily to the floor and dropped her head to her knees. In her intoxicated state, it took a moment to notice the discomfort. Wincing, she reached beneath her bottom for the knobbly object. A brooch. A tiny basket of jewels sparkling under the industrial light. She imagined who might own such a treasure. Haughty, neat, well-groomed, whiff of lavender. With fumbling fingers, Cheryl attached the brooch to her cardigan, a memento of the evening's adventure. The melancholy returned. Where were her rescuers? The light flickered and went out. It's very dark in a lift when the lights go out. Cheryl pushed herself further into the corner. Her mouth was parched, her throat dry. She needed a cough, but didn't want to, not into the silence. Her breathing seemed loud. She held her breath. The light sputtered on. The woman was tall, her wool dress was buttoned to the neck, the veil of her hat concealed most of her face. Slowly, the figure crouched until she was level with the cowering girl. Cheryl breathed in her scent, lavender with a hint of decay. The woman reached out and ripped the brooch from the girl's cardigan. She smiled and lifted her veil. The light flickered and went out. Kew Gardens A Confetti Western by David Turnbull The man with no name stationed himself beneath shadow of the giant cactus. The rim of his hat almost covered his steely blue eyes. An electronic cigarette dangled moodily from a sneer that seemed indelibly etched on his lips. Stony-faced and silent, he observed the folks who came and went along the dusty thoroughfare. They gave him a wide berth, bowing their heads as they passed. 
Can I help you, stranger? asked a workman, pushing a wooden wheelbarrow. Nope. The word was mumbled in a manner that sounded as ominous as it was inaudible. He exhaled a misty stream of vapour from the electronic cigarette through nostrils that flared like a wild stallion. The workman hurried quietly away. The man with no name waited, muscles tensed in anticipation, coiled like a spring. At high noon, a lonesome figure appeared at the head of the path, silhouetted by the glare from the sun through the glass of the greenhouse. The man with no name stepped out of the shadow of the cactus. He dropped the electronic cigarette to the ground and slowly pushed back the rim of his hat with an upturned finger. His eyes narrowed. His breath became measured. A single bead of sweat trickled down his unshaven jaw. The figure approached slowly. Legs slightly parted, the man with no name stood his ground. A nervous tick twitched on his cheek. He held his right hand poised behind his back. The figure stopped, then took another cautious step towards him. The man with no name had honed his reflexes to perfection through hours of practice before the bathroom mirror. Right hand, a rapid blur, produced... A Fistful of Flowers Boston Manor All His Worldly Goods by Joanna Sterling you turn my key, a rough edge scrapes my mother-of-pearl escutcheon. You run your index finger over the small abrasion. The spoon slips into the dark curled leaves, wrinkled and dry, with a faint aroma of bergamot. They will not come alive without the scalding water from the kettle. It hums and purrs, poised to unfurl my treasured contents. A swirl of vapour rises from the delicate porcelain bowl, shipped from the east, leisurely emitting a perfume of pleasure. You close my shell inlay lid. I'm sealed shut, protecting my valuable cargo. It is worth the rent of a dozen tenant farmers. Their farms came as part of your dowry. They bought you a title, a position, a life traded by your family. Debts paid, a succession secured, another treasure acquired. You set me back upon the small round table in the powder blue salon. This is our place. Secure within the impregnable walls of the estate your title purchased. Here the world will admire us, now and down the line of time.
Saint Paul's. I love the man that can grow brave by reflection, Thomas Paine, by Laurence van der Noorda. I, hardy by name, hardy by nature, a proud political reformer, servant to working men, craftsmen, stumble through London. A waft of diseased mud from low tide tries to hold on to me with afflicting memories, my lost progeny, six lost tots. I fly along Watling Street, up Ludgate Hill, drunk with hope. I, the shoemaker, shop owner, am politically sanctioned. I hold firmly the rights of man. I have natural rights, a right of action, and my civil rights. Learned men write the books, but I know we reason, we have ideas. This year, 1791, will mark history. The cathedral, shimmering through the smog, was built with white stone on the back of a tax on black coal. It was forged, like us, for eternity and with fortitude, resurrected by us little men, not for profit, but for the public good. I gasp as I enter. Wren, God guided your hand. My mind wanders to the building's heights, and I face this vastness, imagining the weight of that baroque dome. I sit on a pew, setting Payne's book next to the Bible. I feel light. I laugh loudly and clearly, and its fire warms my throat like my first swig of illicit scotch. My voice thunders through the nave, and I feel strength build. Listen, ghosts of old St. Paul, you whispering gossips. My religious duties consist of doing justice. My back to distractions towers overhead. I walk through the portal and pause in the porch. I pull out my lucky charm, my cobbler's nail. I scratch into the Portland mass the words which describe my mood. I look. I laughed. I look down to my shoes, feeling the pavement below my feet. Then I head in wonder to what will be man's destiny. Stonebridge Park The Eye of the Beholder by Sarah Doyle Anna ran a fingertip over the smooth quartzite cabochon in her palm. Her reflected face looked rounder on the stone's convex meniscus, her eyes almost protuberant. Flecks of gold caught in streaks of river brown winked in the weakening Sunday afternoon sunlight. She addressed the taciturn stallholder, What's your best price? she asked, feigning mere half-interest. He surveyed her from behind darkened glasses, recognising quarry when he saw it. 
Price is on the tag, girlie, he spat. Price is the price. She had to have it. Afraid to haggle, she handed over more banknotes than she could afford. Don't bother with a bag, she muttered. I'll wear it. She pinned the small domed oval to her coat collar, pausing briefly to admire its gilded filigree frame, and headed home. The semi-precious stone took on deeper, more opaque tones in the lamplight of Anna's little sitting room, but the dark forest of marbled browns nestled again in her hand still shone powerfully. As the evening grew old, Anna's eyelids closed heavily several times. Eventually she dozed, to dream of seething whirls of golds and ambers. Once she felt that she'd almost woken and found herself not alone. Early the next morning she awoke properly, her fist still clasped round her precious new trinket. She uncurled her fingers and looked down. The gilded filigree nest was still there, but its crowning jewel, so recently glowing up at her, was missing, leaving a small yawning socket. In the street below, the stallholder squinted up at Anna's window, permitting himself a small, sour smile. Divested of dark glasses, his striated brown eyes flashed with the dull gold flecks that had so charmed Anna at the market. He fingered the roll of banknotes in his grubby trouser pocket and, with a final grin, was gone. Greening the Blue by Claire Elstow The north end of the Piccadilly line sounds so bucolic. Wood Green, followed in short succession by Bounds Green, Arnest Grove, Oakwood. So perhaps it was just a transformation waiting to happen. A surreal end to a no longer normal working day. I blame the international flights at the other end of the line. Something must have escaped and lurked in the train all the way across London, waiting for the right moment to burgeon. Hot-housed by warm gusts of fetid underground air, gaining strength from other botanically named stations, perhaps. Well, Hyde Park, Green Park, Finsbury Park. Wood Green, rural by name, if not by nature, certainly provided the ultimate catalyst. Because that's when things finally became noticeable. Seeping through the dusty metallic tunnel smell, came the verdant aroma of bolting vegetation. Slithering, rustling, creaking sounds smothered the whir of the train's motors. 
As the rush hour crowds on the northbound train thinned out, so the creeping, twining shoots were finally visible. Bold tendrils wrapped themselves around poles and strap hangers. Thickets of saplings sprang up between seats, evicting amazed passengers. A woodland glade established itself along the length of the carriage's corridors. Doors failed to close as roots bridged the ubiquitous gap. Branches thrust through ventilators, and a leafy layer transformed the urban squalor into something far more beautiful. It had been millennia since a forest had clad these North London slopes, and centuries since the locality was a rural backwater, far outside the city boundaries. But now, in an eerie process of metamorphosis, subtly shaded waves of green were rolling through underground tunnels and up through air shafts, reclaiming and transforming. Wood Green was returning to its roots. You've been listening to a Tube Flash production, Mind the Gap, read by Keith Morris, Rennie Griffiths and Mena Bonsells. If you enjoyed this download, why not visit the Tube Flash website, www.tubeflash.co.uk, where you'll find more underground tales to download and keep forever entirely free by following the iTunes link. <laughs>